0: This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephyr only on 101.9 High FM.
1: The South African political landscape seems to be in constant flux, and seemingly now more than ever. We have coalition governments attempting to rule our municipalities, and in a, in an ANC that seemingly looks at a war with itself. I've heard people talk about South Africa as a failed state, and those who say oh, the hope for our future has never been greater. To get some insight into what is actually going on, I thought it would be useful to speak to Daniel Silk, a leading political analyst, author, and keynote speaker. Daniel, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me.
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Theresa. Very good to be with you as always.
1: Our political situation seems to be in constant flux. There isn't a day that goes past without some other controversy. We've had the um, last year's insurrection. Where are we standing as a country? Are you glass half full or half empty at the moment?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, we're in a very awkward space at the moment. Uh, We're at the what I would like to think of as sort of the tail end of flushing out the worst of the rot that set into South Africa over the last decade or so. And I'd like to think we're at the tail end of that. In other words, we've we've just come out of the Zondo Commission of Inquiry. So we've got now a body of evidence that's mounting. There's a renewed call for accountability in South Africa going forward. We'll wait to see whether the prosecuting authorities and the hawks have the wherewithal and the political will, I might add, to begin a process of prosecution so we're at that stage where you know at least we've you know, begun the process of identifying what's wrong, and 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 we've delved quite deeply through the Zondo Commission into these issues. So you know that, that that's a tick for us as, as as we sort of as we prepare effectively for uh, for twenty twenty two. But I think the real problem for South Africa is firstly you need a foundation of accountability if you are to move forward. There's no doubt in my mind that. Uh, We cannot progress on economic reforms or social issues within South Africa or even, you know, broadly speaking, political issues if uh, we do not come to terms with those immediate wrongs of the immediate past. So the stage is set, in other words, for us to be more constructive about how we play our politics and governance in South Africa. The stage is set. But I think the question is, you know, will the curtain go up on the performance itself, or will the curtain, you know, remain pretty much shut down? So, you know, that's where I think we stand at the moment. To to to, to use that particular metaphor. But I mean, the second part, really, to answer of of your answer is that. So that's the glass half full, I suppose, scenario. Uh, the more concerning aspect to me is the factionism and infighting in the ANC, which is going to culminate in December with, of course, the conference, which will. Either elect or won't re-elect Cyril Ramaphosa for another five years in office. So we've now got you know a ten month, ten month, eleven month period in South Africa, where the governing party, uh, staring down an economic crisis in South Africa with record unemployment and very low growth rates is going to be navel-gazing and looking inwards at itself for this entire period. And if you are so distracted by looking over both your left and your right shoulder all the time, there's very little time and energy you're going to devote for the real big issues of structural reform in South Africa. It's personalities who are going to be protecting their own jobs, their own backs, and trying to elevate themselves to positions of power and authority. So that's the downside. Whereas you've, you've got the stage set, For what could be a better year, what's holding that curtain back is that introspection, that uh, factionalism within the ANC that really serves as a dramatic break on the possibility of reform within the country. So, you know, that's the long answer. In typical fashion, I suppose it's, uh, you know, the usual South African malaise, you've always got opportunity, but it tends to be dampened by so many issues.
1: I think I would like to ask you about civil society and the role civil society can play in terms of Keeping South Africa, you know, somebody said to me, there's so many good South Africans that will never let this country fail. And and perhaps you can comment on that.
0: Well, it's an important question. And there's been a lot of discussion just very, very recently. In fact, I was involved on a panel this morning where the issue of civil society in the broader context was was raised as a potential driver of change in South Africa for the good, certainly for this year. You know, I think that there's an idealistic view of, of this. I think, uh, you know, in South Africa before, don't forget, before 1994, we saw a very active civil society. Um, the United Democratic Front, ultimately, UDF, over the struggle years, was largely an amalgam of civil society groupings. Um, today in South Africa, you've got... Um, You've certainly got extensive and powerful groupings, be they in uh, the religious context, uh, be they in uh, particularly the business context as well, and in a host of civil society organizations serving uh, educational interests, uh, sustainability interests. I mean, there's a whole host of very active, very able, I might add, and very well-researched civil society bodies. Now, I do think that civil society needs to play a much more active role. I particularly believe that the business community, by and large, really needs to come to the party. Because at the end of the day, if there is a continued failure of South Africa, I don't believe we're a failed state, by the way. Uh, You know, I think we're a failing state in many aspects. Uh, You know, if we can't keep the lights on, well, we're failing to keep the lights on. A failed state really, you know, discounts the possibility that we can somehow resurrect ourselves. So I do think that we're a failing state. But the people who are really going to be affected by this are obviously all of us as citizens of the country and the business community whose profit in the end is going to be affected. So quite critical, actually, if you had to ask me in depth, I'm quite critical of the fact that I don't think we've seen a sufficient urgency from elements within the business community in calling government to account on so many of the uh uh inefficiencies that exist in our system. I think that's an area that needs focus. Uh, we've seen a little bit a little bit of it from Business Unity South Africa just in the last while, but there's more I think we need. And I think the various bodies and social organizations within South Africa also really need to raise their game when it comes to critiquing government and, and being constructive in terms of policy engagement with government as well. So there's more to be done. It's a critical sector. And I just want to say one other thing. What I think is also important is that you know we've seen an increasing lack of confidence on the part of the electorate in South Africa in their elected representatives. And that low voter turnout that we had in those local government elections a few months ago really is, is proof of that. So South Africans are less enamored with the electoral system and their public representatives, who they may or may not elect, but perhaps require those outside of the formal political structures to play a much greater role, and I suspect we will see that as the urgency of the position becomes even more acute during the year.
1: Daniel, you, you raise the electorate um, as citizens. Our municipalities and throughout the countries are, are coalition governments, and we're seeing a lot of tension within those parties. Is it good? Are coalition governments effective? in ruling municipalities, and does it offer a new sense of hope?
0: Well, firstly, uh, uh, the voters voted for coalition governments because they didn't give any one particular party uh, a predominant uh, majority. So, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, one shouldn't blame the coalition governments if they don't work Ultimately, it is the voters who who voted for them. Coalition governments, certainly, you know, at this stage in our democratic process, clearly are going to be a feature currently, and I suspect will likely be a a feature and perhaps an even more dramatic feature in our politics um, in the years to come. They have worked in part. Where you have coalition partners that see a bigger picture rather than worry about their own particular power base and uh, the elevation of certain personalities – if there's a, a common acceptance of values, if there's an acceptance that, uh, you know, the community becomes first before the narrow party politics, you know, then it can work. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm based in Cape Town. We've seen it work uh, in a complicated fashion in, in the city of Cape Town about a decade ago. But we've also seen coalition governments not work. The choice of partners in a coalition government is absolutely critical. And understanding the parameters of, of, of how those coalitions work, getting that broad based agreement early on is very important as well. But having said that, I mean, and that's, the, that, that's the academic side of it. The practical side is that, at the very least, in the city of Johannesburg, in Chwani, in uh, Kurileni, and in some other key metros uh, across South Africa, we now have a position where uh, we are in what I would call a test phase for either the post-2024 South Africa or the post-2029 South Africa. And by that I mean... That the way these opposition parties, as disparate and often as quarrelsome as they are, the way they manage these uh, loose coalitions is going to set the scene for whether they can manage a coalition, possibly at a national level, if the ANC should drop to below fifty percent in twenty-four or twenty-nine. So the real test of—and I say ours—the electorate of South Africa's um, interest in coalitions is going to be, over these next few years, if the DA-led agreements in Gauteng falter, it's going to set back the course of opposition politics substantially in 2024. And from a DA perspective, it can let the ANC in the back door if the coalition falls apart or fails at least to deliver something tangible for the citizens of those metros. So there's almost, to continue my theatrical metaphor, There's almost a dress rehearsal in South African politics now that started at the local government level and it may well continue into the national terrain if that, if the ANC doesn't make 50% plus one in 2024.
1: You know, South African, we used to talk, I don't know if it's true, but identity politics in South Africa playing a big part in who who we vote for. And you're saying the electorate are watching very closely. But what we're seeing in many of our municipalities is party politics where, you know, political parties are behaving really unreasonably just for the sake of, you know, making a point or, you know, using In the case of some political parties, Israel is a football. How do we get our politicians to be accountable to the people and not punish the political parties that are working because they're held to ransom by smaller ones?
0: Look, I think, you know, the South African electorate, if I might say, have been far too tolerant for far too long. And in the end, uh, the electorates punish political parties that uh, they feel have not delivered. Now, in South Africa, we've been distorted in a sense because era of apartheid, the liberation struggle really left uh, the ANC in a particularly strong position. And uh, the voters have largely continued to reward the ANC, not on their delivery, I might add, but on the historical uh, contribution that the ANC has made to liberation in South Africa. But voters have shifted in South Africa. We've seen a reluctance on the part of many voters to commit to a political party. There's a certain movement and shift away from the ANC, and they've become a lot more critical over the course of the last few years. So our politics is maturing in South Africa. Uh, yes, it uh, may be adopting uh, very, very slowly. Um, a more uh, One could use the Israeli example. You could use uh, the Italian example as well. I was discussing this morning all this talk about coalitions, and it's all rather exciting from an academic or political analyst point of view. Um, but, you know, go to Italy or go to Israel, and let's just assume that, you know, South Africa is a coalition-run national government in the next decade or so. You know, will we face the same mudslinging and underhand dealings that takes place in Israel on a very regular basis, uh, or in Italy, where they've had, you know, almost as many governments as they've had years since the Second World War? Now, uh, you know, are we going to enter that kind of relatively unstable, but quite democratic terrain after the ANC drops below 50%. You know, that's the fun part of my job is, is to pontificate on, on on how our political system is likely to shift and change and mutate. But in the interim, I think, and until we get to this more, what I call sort of mature point in our democracy, we are going through, you know, the, the literal go- growing pains. And I just want to come through one point that you made where, when you asked this question it is an important point, is that what we mustn't get derailed with in South Africa is a return to identity politics. That mustn't derail us. And I have to say, I do have a concern because there is an underlying there is an underlying feeling that issues of xenophobia uh, in particular is creeping back into our political discourse. Political parties on the populist EFF or even to more centrist political parties um, have been talking these issues up. It's a pretty good vote catcher in times of economic stress, I might add. Countries have used it all over the world. And what we don't want to do is undermine the uh, cohesiveness of our society as we politically mature into what could be a coalition era. And I do flag that as a warning in general about our politics, certainly at the moment.
1: I read your commentary everywhere. I see you everywhere. So I'm pleased that you... I have you know I gave some time to hi, gosh, I look forward to having you again, and I'm really also kind of grateful that there's somebody like you who watches the politics and makes sense of it. So if ordinary citizens need to step out for a day or two because we can't keep up with all the changes and challenges that are taking place, um, we can rely on, on yourself. So thank you so much.
0: well, thank you it's always a pleasure, it's good to have good questions, and uh, the analysis never stops.:
1: Thank you very much. That was leading uh, political analyst Daniel Saul.